Third John, uh, I'm going to be in this series called Jack of All Trades. We're highlighting the five areas of your life that if you can master these five areas in life, I'm telling you, life will go so well for you. And I feel like the new year is just so ripe with potential. I mean, there's so much potential out there. I'm hungry to excel in 2022. I want to build upon the successes that I experienced in 2021. I feel like there's great growth potential for you. If you're hungry and if you're healthy for it. Now, 3 John, verse 2. I love this verse. I want to read it and pray. John said this, I pray that you may prosper in everything and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let's pray. Father, today we just thank you for your spirit which is here with us. We are grateful to walk with you, to know you. And I pray, Lord, for uh, a rhema word for people today, a word that cuts between uh, soul and spirit and helps us discern truth in our lives. I pray it would grow us for good things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, as you know, Elizabeth and I are in the season of children. That means that we read a lot of uh, children's books. Um, has anyone ever heard of or read the book, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Yeah, so the title pretty much sums up the story, right? I mean, Alexander's day went from bad to worse. And this happened to Elizabeth and I on Tuesday. I mean, I, I, I got up and, and I was at a gym working on a rowing machine. Who wants to be on a rowing machine? And they had me on there for way too long. And then I did my little ritual where I went over to the gas station, filled up, and I got myself a chocolate, chocolate donut, double chocolate. I was so happy for that donut in my hand. And it slipped out of my hand and rolled across the gas station floor. <laughs> and then when we got home, my kids did not want to get out of bed. They were slow, and it was cold and snowy. This is Tuesday. You remember how cold it was Tuesday? And Elizabeth, she came out to get in the car, and I heard a, ah, and I saw, like, papers in the air, and I thought, I think she fell. So we went around, and there she was laying sprawled out. On, she had had a concussion. I mean, she fell on the ice. And, and then, you know, like, we just had the day kind of, you know, snowball. I mean, just difficult, frustrated, cold. By the end of the day, uh, I, I, my kid was sick, so I had the steamer go in his room. I dropped the steamer full of water and broke it. Now, Elizabeth had a women's group that night. Hey, if you caught it, it was great. She had a great time teaching, a wonderful fellowship. But she came home. I was in bed because I was eager to get that day over with. I mean, I was happy to hit the hay. <laughs> you know, when you have a bad day, it creates a bad attitude. And that's where it's easy to get uh, snippety and pick fights with people. And, and it's kind of, you know, just, just be a jerk. But if you can keep your mind, your will, and your emotions intact, if your soul is whole, you can handle the pressure, the storms, the anxiety, dropping donuts and falling in the ice and still stay on track. I'm telling you, it comes down to being stable in your, in your soul. I like what the verse says here. He said, I pray that you prosper in everything and be in health as your soul prospers. Here's what he's telling us, that you are only as healthy as your soul is healthy. Interesting words here. He uses the word prosper. Uh, that means that it would go well with you. And see, there's some things that are worth more value uh, than money, like your family and your health. And it's interesting, he uses the word health here, which is the Greek word hugano. It, this is a, sort of a base root word where we get the word hygiene from. 
He's talking about having a soul that is cleansed, healthy and clean. The word soul is the word suki in the Greek, where we get the word psyche, and it's specifically dealing with the mind, the will, and the emotions of a man. And what he's telling us is that to the extent that your mind, will, and emotions are healthy is the extent of your overall well-being. Now, I've seen this play out in people's lives, man. I've seen some people who were completely loaded with money, had all the money you could think about, and were still not happy. You ever met them? I've met people who had amazing bodies. I mean, they, they look amazing, and, and they're working hard, and, and, and they're glistening when they sweat and look so strong, and yet they have terrible lives. They're emotional wrecks. They can't keep stuff together. I've met people who have beautiful families, but they just don't know how to manage it, steward it, don't appreciate it, because they have a soul that's not whole. There's no health there. Now, I, I want to build on the thought, so... Uh, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. And uh, ordinarily, you know, I like to teach in context. I like to take a passage of Scripture and work my way through it. But I really felt led today just to jump around the Bible here. I want to highlight some verses the Lord put on my heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. I like this verse. He said, may the God uh, of peace, I'm grateful he's the God of peace. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. He said, may your whole Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I hold to what's called the Trinity. So we're Trinitarians. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that mankind is created in the image of God, that God is a triune being, and he's created us in his likeness with a spirit, soul, and a body. And this is kind of like the first three parts of the series here. We talked last week about your spiritual life. That part of you that's redeemed by God, the part of you that, that asked for daily devotions. Because I've yet to see somebody who was doing daily devotions and backslid from God. And that devotional life is the building block for you to have a, a, a walk with God. We got copies of the one-year Bible out there in the foyer. Uh, this morning we're talking about the soul of a man that needs to be whole. And next week we'll be talking about the body. Uh, which is probably, you know, the area in churches where people discuss the least. Uh, ha- having to deal with uh, the fact that God is going to redeem our bodies and how to steward them. And today we're on the subject of the soul. You'll notice that in the sequence, it- it's in the middle. A spirit, a soul, and a body. And what this indicates is that there's this constant tension and struggle. There's like a tug of war. The Bible actually describes it as a war that's taking place between your spirit and your flesh, and the battlefield is in your mind, your will, and your emotions. That, that's where everything goes. And whoever wins that battle, who, whoever pulls that soul of yours in, in one direction, is going to determine the course of your life. It's going to be fleshly, or if it's going to be led by the Spirit of God. This is not left to chances. I mean, y- your outcomes are going to be determined by the little habits that you have, and, and whether or not you can overcome in this area of life. Now, when I read the verse, I always focus on spirit, soul, and body, because you're only as whole as your soul is here. But he's, mogus- he's focusing here on your whole spirit, soul, and body, and he uses the word completely. He's talking about every part of you. That's so interesting. You know, as humans, our body, our spirit, our soul is like so intertwined, so interconnected, we operate like as one unit. It's like hard to differentiate You know, what part of you is what? What part of you is hearing from God? What part of you is angry just because you're hungry? And 
the only way you really can discern between, you know, the voice of your spirit and, and the soul, the scripture says, is through the word of God, that it can discern between spirit and soul. So I'm not here to psychoanalyze anybody, but I do think that it's wise that we be in touch of our emotional state and things that trigger you. And so what I want to talk about this morning is how to manage your mental health. Mental health is the buzzword of the day. I mean, everybody's talking about mental and emotional health, and it is the elephant in the room. Because, listen, as a pastor, I feel like it's important to address cultural issues. I remember in 2020, we went camping on Memorial Day. We came home, and the city of Minneapolis was burned down. You remember that? I mean, like, racism became a huge issue, and I did preach on it, man. We talked about it. We addressed the issue that certain segments of society feel disrespected, and, and we need to talk about that. And, you know, we've talked about things like uh, the sanctity of life and, and the sanctity of marriage. You know, our stance is that, you know, a man should marry a woman. We, we don't believe in abortion. I've had people who have gotten so upset with that, they've never come back to church on things like that. Uh, we talked about sexual immorality and the Ten Commandments and how to handle that. I mean, these are societal, cultural issues addressed in the Bible, and the Bible addresses this issue of mental health, how to deal with it. Uh, when I was in um, Florida at the beginning of 2020 for Pastors University, I was shocked when, when they made the statement that if you knew the statistics, if you knew how many people in your church were on antidepressants, it would shock you. This is like a nationwide phenomenon. I mean, it, we have like an over-medicated society. I'll say this next week. In the United Kingdom, they're actually working to try to prescribe antidepressants to men less because they've over-medicated society. There's other ways to deal with it. Uh, I'd like you to go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 14. Mark, chapter 14. And again, you know, this, this subject of mental health, it affects people from all walks of life. Uh, I'm a football fan, and I, I was a bit amused and, and somewhat angered watching a, a tremendous athlete, a great football player last week on Sunday. He got angry. He got triggered by something and took off all of his you know, pads, threw them in the crowds, and ran off the field. And now the man says he's a better football player than Tom Brady. Uh-uh. No, that's a mental health problem. <laughs> uh, uh, this, this is something that affects people in all walks of life, man. Mental health. You know who else affected? With the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He had to deal with some struggles in his mind. Mark 14, look at verse 32. He's with the disciples. They came to a place that was named Gethsemane. That is a place of pressure. It's a, literally the wine press. And it's very interesting that all this happened in the pressurized place of Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took his three amigos, Peter, James, and John with him, his three closest friends. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. I feel like I'm going to die. And he said, comfort me, please, by staying here and watching. And you know how the story reads. He went a little further. He fell on the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. He said, take this cup away. And he prayed, he, he uh, ushered his favorite, famous words. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but what you will. Now, what I'm seeing here in Jesus' ability to, to manage mental health and his pressure is he had the ability to process pain. 
If you want to manage how your emotions are running wild, how your mind is all over the place, you're going to have to be able to process pain. Jesus was engaged in an intense emotional struggle. He said, I feel like I could die. He's got anxiety taking place. This is some real strong mental health issues, much worse than the ones that you're dealing with right now with whatever your problems are. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that you have not resisted against sin to bloodshed. Jesus actually knows he's going to be beaten, killed. He's going to shed blood. In fact, Luke records that he was so stressed out, he was sweating drops of blood. They didn't even realize that that was an actual medical condition until they had soldiers in World War I jumping over trenches. They were so nervous, they thought they would get killed. They were literally sweating blood in trenches. Jesus had the ability to process his pain. And the text gives me several indications of, of how he did that. The first thing Jesus did when faced with pain is he sought the Lord in prayer. He sought his heavenly Father by praying to him. He, he's going to go to the Father. He's going to spend time praying with him. When you are stressed, what is the first thing that you do? You start getting angry, start swearing at people, start you know, stomping your feet. I, I mean, or do you turn to God in prayer? Because there's certain things that might trigger you, and when people get really afraid, they start getting angry. Now, I had, I got, I, you may not believe this, I got triggered this last week <laughs> over Christmas. I saw on social media someone loosely connected to church here, and, and they didn't say anything about our church, they just said they said something about somewhere else they were at. And my frail, insecure mind started just digging a hole. I started thinking about it, and I started getting angry about it, and all the stuff I've done and helping them out with. And you know what I did instead of stewing on it? I went to pray. I was just fellowshipping with the Lord. I was praying, and the thought came to my mind. What exactly does that person owe you? Do they owe you anything? Mm, I was sitting there like, wow, man, that, that hit me. And you know, when you have spent time with praying, and maybe God corrected you or he showed you something, that's how you can just simmer down, get some emotional health. And leave things with God. When I'm stressed out, I go to God in prayer. Amen. That's the first thing Jesus did. Now, you know what else Jesus did? He was with his three closest friends. And he was able to uh, surround himself with people and communicate. I, I told Pastor Daniels, I said, evidently Jesus is a verbal processor. Anyone know what a verbal processor is? <laughs> the people who process things by always talking about them. He, I mean, think about what he's talking with, you know, Peter, James, and John. Stay here with me and pray. And you'll read down later when they couldn't do that. He's like, could you not stay up and pray for one hour? <laughs> I was laughing because I'm a verbal processor. And poor people who know me that I process with, they have to put up with it. And like my wife or my mom or Pastor Daniel, and I got to tell them what I'm thinking and what I'm going through. And, and listen, sometimes verbal processing is good, but sometimes your verbal processing might wear somebody out. Because I've had that happen too. People will call me and, man, they got a problem and they will not stop talking about it today or tomorrow or the next day. And it's a constant drip, drip, drip. <laughs> not everybody is a verbal processor, but everybody needs to know how to communicate in situations. That's what Jesus had. He had people that were with him that he, he could talk to. There's a reason why in James chapter 5, the Bible says, that to confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. And there's something about having somebody in the trenches with you that you can talk to, that you can release fear, stress, anxiety, and worry about. And in those places, God can bring healing. 
He can bring peace. You need that in your life. You need people to help you process through pain with. Jesus needed that. Yeah. And I like the last thing in his prayer he did. It tells us that he simply surrendered himself to the will of God. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Probably a huge part of the stress in your life is the fact that you haven't surrendered stuff and you just want to be in control of everything. I mean, we have a society today that wants to be in control of everything. That's why they got people wearing ridiculous cloth masks everywhere. Now, CNN and ABC came out, and now they're saying, the masks don't work. I mean, do you think? I mean, re really? I mean, and now you're going to start seeing science start and say, well, uh, certain ones may be effective, but the cloth ones, they just really don't. But we got people who want to control everything. That's what people do. They want to control, uh, you know, their, their money, and so either they're stingy or, or they overspend trying to get happiness. They want to control relationships. They want everybody to like them. And so they put things on Facebook that aren't even real. They, you know, they, they, they want to be in control of, of, of their careers. Did you see how many people left the workforce last year? Four and a half million people in the last, like, two months have left unprecedented. It's because people want to be in control of situations. And I, I, I tell you, Jesus has got shoulders big enough to handle your problems. You can give them to him. I was processing one night. I, I got triggered by something. I don't know what it was. I woke up at 2 in the morning. I could not get my mind turned off. And I was stressed out. I was angry. And, and uh, my wife would say it was probably about church. <laughs> so I, I went downstairs, and I was praying, and I just couldn't sleep. And, and after about an hour, finally, there was a verse from 1 Peter chapter 5. Cast your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And, and I, when I had that verse come to me, it just deflated everything. I just surrendered what I had. I gave it to God. And I went back up to bed fine. Now, I, I'm thankful for his ability to take my problems and carry them. That's called grace. So if you want to deal with mental health issues, your soul going crazy, your mind running wild, your emotions all over the map, process your pain. Pray it. Talk to people. Surrender it to God. Let's talk about a second thing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10. I love 2 Corinthians 10. Probably you know exactly where I'm going. And I know these verses, but you know, when you read the Bible or study it, you get something new from it. And the Lord showed me something new here from 2 Corinthians 10 that I, I had not thought of before. I'm in 2 Corinthians 10, and I'm starting in verse number 3. He said that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Somebody say war. We do not war according to the flesh. For he said, the weapons of our warfare, there's another word about warfare, are not carnal, it means they're not natural, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds and casting down arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ. We'll stop right there. Here's the second thing you got to know um, about managing a mental health issue and emotional turmoil is you have to have the ability to accurately perceive truth. I mean, this really is where the battle's at. He, he called it a war in verse 3. And when you think about spiritual warfare, you might think about jumping and yelling and screaming at the devil. But most of the spiritual warfare that you're engaged with 
is actually just thoughts in your mind that are running wild. It's a thought life where you're listening to lies. And that, that's, that's spiritual warfare with the devil. It's sort of like getting into a tennis match with him, where the ball is going back and forth, back and forth. And the problem with that is that the devil has been doing this for a long time, and he's very good at tennis. He's very good at lobbying volleys back and forth at you and returning it when you, if you can come back. Now, Ephesians 2 says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Do you ever wonder where the whispers come from? Like the thoughts of insecurity, insignificance, and lies, well, they just kind of come to you while you're just walking around Walmart. You don't know where they came from, but that, that, that's the enemy's lies whispering to you. Yeah. Now, uh, there's a famous line in the movie, A Few Good Men. And uh, I remember Tom Cruise hits his fist on the desk and he says, I want the truth. And Jack Nicholson, what does he say? You can't handle the truth. I'm just telling you, that's where a lot of people in churches are sitting at. They simply cannot handle the truth. And like in the movie, uh, Paul is highlighting a military metaphor here. Everything he's addressing is about handling truth in your life. That's what spiritual warfare is. Military strategy 101. It's deception. The art of subterfuge. The enemy wants to deceive you. There was a man named... Sun Tzu, a, a Chinese man, I believe, who in like the 10th century wrote a book called The Art of War. And, and it's one of the greatest military reads. And his whole premise is that war is won by deceiving the enemy. Now, I was in London uh, early 2020, before COVID hit, and I was at the Imperial War Museum, which is a great World War II museum. And they had a, uh, like, a, like a little segment or display on about Operation Mincemeat. They're making a movie about that. Anyone ever heard of Operation Mincemeat? Basically, the, the British and the Allies, they were trying to trick Hitler about where they would invade, so they dropped off a corpse with fake information, and he floated ashore somewhere, and Hitler bought it. And he moved all his troops somewhere so they could invade somewhere else. And that's how war is won. That's, that's why when you're reading through the Internet, half the stuff on there is not true. Because we're living in a time now when you got... Chinese and Russian agents trying to lie to people to keep the country deceived. And people buy it and eat it up like it's real. Satan is a master at deception. He's called by Jesus in John 8, the father of lies. And he lies about everything. Have you figured that out yet? He's going to tell you that nobody loves you. He's going to tell you everybody loves you. He, he's going to tell you you ain't good enough. You ain't going to make it. He tries to get you to compare yourself with other people. He, he just lies all the time. That's what he does. Military strategy is deception. Military strategy is also to take the high ground. It's interesting that the verses speak of strongholds that have to be pulled down. Now, when you have the high ground, what you've got is the vantage point. You've got a place of strength. And when I was in London, the first thing we hit was the Tower of London, which was built by William the Conqueror in the year 1066. And for a thousand years, that was the biggest castle in the area. You could see it for miles around. It was very imposing. And, you know, in Bible days, in medieval times, if someone had a castle and you needed to take that castle, the only way to take it was to tear it down. He's telling us that when you have thoughts that you dwell on that are deceptive or they're lies or they're wicked or they're from the enemy, they can actually be built up like a strong tower that has to be torn down. 
You've got to take it down brick by brick by brick. That's warfare. What that's called is I'm going to actively take inventory of my thought life. What am I thinking about? Scripture says if you judge yourself, you're not going to be judged. But I come across people with the inability to process their thoughts and discover if they're true or not. This is where people live at. They, they don't want to look at reality. They don't want to look at truth. They don't want to take a thought and deal with it. Inventory, evaluate, judge it. I am a verbal processor. So I think it's amusing. Sometimes I might call my wife or my mother, and I'll be telling them how I'm feeling, my frustrations, my up and down, the, you know, the problems in my mind. And somewhere in the middle of that conversation, we have discovered that what I think is not true. Has that ever happened to you? That's the honest people say it has. Sometimes people just dwell on lies. They lie. The high thing, the argument, it becomes an imagination. Here's military strategy. You're going to have to take captives. That's what Paul is talking about. He's talking here about this militant battle in our minds where he said you've got to take captive every thought. You know, in military, they take prisoners. They hold them at bay. He said, you got to take your thoughts and you have to captivate them. You have to hold them there. You cannot dwell upon them. If you dwell upon a thought, it will become an imagination. And that imagination starts growing in your mind. And before you know it, you've acted on it. I mean, it just starts, it just starts swelling. And, and, you know, I heard one of my famous, favorite preachers, he said one time that he figured out the secret to not having an affair. He said, if you're struggling with lust, and someone asked him, you know, where are you at? And, and he said, I'm like everybody else, thoughts will come in my mind, but I've just decided I will not have an affair today. I'll have one tomorrow. Just not today. And I, I don't know if you get the point, but tomorrow never does come, right? If you're dwelling on something long enough, and you haven't taken it captive, and you haven't have it held up in the prison, it, it can run wild on you. So when we talk about managing emotions, we talk about your soul, we talk about your mind, you, you're going to have to perceive truth. I, you, are you going to look at the truth and receive it, or are you going to defend a lie? How many people do I know that are believing lies and will go to death defending it? Mental health issues. Now, let me give you number three here. I'm over in John chapter 14. John, uh, John uh, 14. John 14, one last place here with Jesus' words. Uh, look at verse 27. I have been meditating on this verse always, all week. He said, uh, peace. Somebody say peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Managing emotions or mental health, whatever we want to call it, has to do with processing your pain, perceiving truth, and possessing the peace of God. You have to possess. If, if you possess it, it means that it belongs to you. It, it's something that you own. And he, here we see that the peace of Jesus is something that he gave to you and me. It's his peace that he's given to you and me. Peace in the world is elusive. And, and you're not going to find it in the world. You might find it temporarily, but not lasting. So it's elusive in the world, but it's a reality in the kingdom. That's why he said in John in Romans 14, verse 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Man, 
When Jesus made the statement, when he said, my peace I give to you, and he said, don't be afraid, he's making what we call an inference. He's inferring a truth. Now, the Bible is filled with inferences. And inference is something that's not directly necessarily stated, but it's a truth, and you kind of got to you kind of got to compare it and look at other things and other scriptures and get the point. And there's a lot of things inferred in the Bible. The rapture is inferred. It doesn't overtly state it. It's there to keep you on your toes. So you stay ready. you got to study it out. Some would say that the Trinity is an inference because it doesn't actually say the word Trinity in the Bible. It's pieced together with you know, statements like what we've read. Uh, church leadership is inferred. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells you exactly how to lay out your bylaws and your church government. It's inferred. It's something you got to piece together and find out in culture and in plurality how it works then, how it works today. And another thing we could say that's inferred is the authority that God has given to believers. He's given us authority in His name to use it. If you have authority, that means that you need to enforce that authority. That's why we have police officers who are called law enforcement. They enforce the authority of the law. Now, I want to tell you something that might be uncomfortable. It's an inconvenient truth, but the reality is you have the authority and the ability to control your thought life and manage your level of peace. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching. I wish people knew this in the world because it's like people react and they live and they lose their minds and their peace. And all the while, Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. It's peace that he gave us. But when people don't know how to use their authority, when they don't enforce what's been given to them, they just get pushed around by the devil. And a lot of people in that case, they live like victims. I know a lot of people, a lot of Christians who are living in prisons with doors that are wide open because they never learned how to use the authority that God has given to them. You know, this really got illustrated to me by a woman I met in Seattle. Her name was Lorraine. I met her when I was working with Bishop Aludi. Now, Bishop Aludi actually got to come here this year. He'll be here in February. He's a bishop from Tanzania. We love having Bishop Aludi come. Um, if you've never met him, he's worth, he's worth meeting. He's a great man. Um, when I was with Bishop, Lorraine was kind of running the meetings where he'd go to. Now, Lorraine got in a car wreck. And she was in you know, the hospitals for six months working on her mind. She had whiplash that, that created brain problems. The doctors told Lorraine, they said, you're probably really never going to be able to focus very well. You're going to have a hard time concentrating and, and, and your mental health is really going to be deteriorating. And so she said, I, I'm not going to receive that report. She said, I know I can control my thought life. Now she said, I might forget things as I go. Like I might forget an address, or, but I can control what I think and how I feel. And she's lived that way. It was really a testimony to me. Even though she had a major problem in her mind, she said, I can control my thought life. That's the truth. Now, if you, if you possess it, that means you own it. Now, look, look at verse 26. Just before Jesus said that his peace was given us, he said that when the helper, the Holy Spirit has come, uh, he said the Father uh, will send him and he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I have said to you. Let me tell you how you process peace or how you possess it. it it's, it's when you own it. When you remember something that God has spoken to you. When, when he's given you a promise and it's real on the inside of you. And if you hold on to that, I'm telling you, that's where you can find the peace of God. I'm just telling you that Jesus spoke.
Now, I did get triggered again over the holidays. I know I sound like I get triggered a lot, but I'm just telling you how people live. I mean, who was here on Christmas Eve? Dude, we had the place packed. We had more people than we had seats. As a pastor, that's a wonderful problem. I mean, I, I couldn't sleep that night. I was singing hymns. I was so excited. And then I came to church on the 26th of December. And there wasn't nobody here. And nobody here. Yeah, which I get. It's all right. It's Christmas. And then the next week, January the 2nd, it was a blizzard. And there wasn't nobody here. And, and you know, like, when you have highs and when you have lows, you have to be able to weather that, that. And so I had the devil tell me, that's it, man, it's over. You ought to lock it up. You ain't no good. Nobody wants to come here. You pray. How horrible I was. <laughs> but I had a promise from God that he told me, blessing, I'll bless you. Multiplying, I'll multiply. That's what he said to Abraham. He said, I'm with you. I'm gonna, and, and I just held on to what I felt the Lord had put in my heart, man. Yeah. It managed through those moments. I remembered words that God has spoke to me that encouraged me, and it gave me peace. Peace is supernatural. Did you know that? It's unexplainable. That's why in Philippians 4, it's called the peace that passes understanding. Man, there's just some things that, like, you don't, you don't have an answer for why you have peace. I was sitting there in the NICU with my son, and he had had surgery, and they, they put too much morphine into his system. And I watched all the vitals go down. And nurses were jumping over each other to try to get the doctor to try to figure out what's happening. And, they were, and, and I just remember in that moment, I had peace. I got a phone call one night from my father-in-law, Dwayne. And he said, we're in Great Falls. Your, your mother has had an aneurysm. And we're going to life fly her to Salt Lake. And he said, I need you to call Grandma and let people know what's going on. This is about 11 o'clock at night. I called Grandma. Grandma can't hear because she's 95. And so it took me three times yelling, Mom had a stroke, before she said, Joni had a stroke. <laughs> that woke Elizabeth up. And then the phone, the chain call, we had little people. Everyone's up praying. I prayed, and then I went back to bed because I had peace. That I, I knew that the Lord wanted me to have three kids, and I needed a babysitter, and God is good. He would not leave me without a babysitter. <laughs> I just know I had peace in the middle of it, man. I, had, I cannot explain the peace of God. I had peace. So the next time that you're faced with one of those terrible, no good, very bad, horrible days that we all go through, I'm telling you, you can have a healthy, whole soul. You, you can have peace. You can get through problems. You can get through storms. And, and it all has to do with how you're going to manage what's taking place in the inside, your mental health. Now, what, what about your mental health, your emotional state of being? I mean, that... I know older people don't like to talk about that, but when you come down to millennials and Generation Z, that's like where everybody lives at because of society. Uh, is the state that you're in, do you have peace at a healthy place? Do, do you know how to process pain? Like, do you go to God in prayer? Do you have people that you can talk to? Do you have a network? Do you got Peter, James, and John in your life? Maybe a Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. You got somebody you can talk to. Have you learned how to just surrender things that you can't control over to God? I mean, I, it's funny to me. People just try to control everything, but sometimes you just got to let them go. And those are things I want to get better at. I, I want to get better at processing pain. It's made me a happier person. Can I get a witness? Yeah, man. I wanna get, how many of you want to get better at processing pain? Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe, you know, it, it have to do with, uh, you know, the lies that you're listening to. What lies are you listening to? I mean, there's no end to the lunacies that Satan will throw at you. 
I mean, just think of all the stupid stuff that you might believe. And, and the trick is you got to catch him in a lie. You got to catch a thief. That's what the Bible says. You got to catch him. And then you got to cast it down. And don't dwell on it. And if you can do that, you can stay in a place of peace. You can manage your mental health. Your life will go so much better. And I just want to pray those over you right now. I want to pray that we're a group of people who's growing in our walk with God. Father, I just thank you for this wonderful group of people here growing. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that they're, they're blessed, they're hungry. I pray, Lord, that the strategies of the enemy will be revealed. Everything hidden will be revealed. Every lie, uh, every deceptive tactic, every time he comes to sneak up on us. And, and I, I pray, Lord, it's exposed. And I pray, Lord, that you bring people into their lives to help communicate, talk, process, where we want to learn how to go to you in prayer every day in every way. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I was listening to a... Uh, uh, I, found, I found this in the newspapers where it was. It was a story... It, this happened in 2014, a true story. This was in London. There, there was a jewelry shop that wanted to promote their diamonds. They had the idea to put a 1.14 carat diamond on a balloon with a tracking device and they were going to let it go over the sky and when it hit a certain elevation it would pop and they knew where it would be and then whoever found that diamond would get to keep it. It was their promotion. Well, the problem was that they didn't anticipate a storm on the date that they had it set up. And then their tracker went out. And so they don't know where that thing went and people for four months were searching all over London looking for it. One day a man, this is four months later, he was walking with his dog 10 miles out of London and the dog went over into a bush or, or, or like a hedge and, and he started digging something out and lo and behold he pulled out that diamond and it was found it was worth $20,000 the man was retired he said he was going to sell it and take his wife on a cruise you imagine how wonderful and that would feel to find something like that let, let me tell you something finding that diamond pales in comparison to the peace that you'll find when, when you are guilty and at war with God when you don't feel right with him, when you don't know him, when you're not walking with him, there's no peace in your life. And all the diamonds and the money in the world is not going to satisfy that hole. And the peace that comes with Jesus is a real thing. I just want to give you the opportunity here uh, to get right with the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't have real peace, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And that means peace belongs to everyone who knows the Lord. But if you don't have the peace of God, if you've not walked with God, I want to give you a chance, put your hand up, we want to pray with him. So you can know him, you can know the Lord and walk with him. proud of y'all for coming out to church today on this cold day. Is my friend Evan? Is that Evan back there? Is that you, Evan? Will you stand up? I was, I was trying to figure out who was sitting back there. And uh, I felt like, I, you know, I want to pray over you. I feel like the Lord has got a very significant future ahead of you that you have not contemplated or thought about. And I feel like, you know, you're um, clearly a hardworking, stable guy. But I think God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what you've ever thought. He's got the right people to put around you, the right influences. Will you reach a hand out towards them? I want to pray over him. Father, in Jesus' name, bless that young man. I pray, God, you reveal secret things to his heart from the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, thoughts, ideas, insights, things that he's never considered. And I, I pray, Lord, it would just come to him e easily. Ideas, direction, the future, e even the right wife into his life, the right, the right people around him. In Jesus' name. Evan, I feel like the hand of the Lord is with you. 
even though you probably don't even acknowledge it or know much about it. I just feel like he's with you watching over you. I just, you know what I feel? I feel the peace of God. How many feel that? The peace of God. I think 2022 is going to be a strange year. I, I, I think that God is going to bless his people, but if 2020 and 2021 are any indication, I think 2022 is going to be strange. But in the middle of that, I feel like God's people are going to be blessed. Amen. I just feel the peace of God. Amen. You can stand up with us this morning. And if you want anything in prayer, where the altars are open for you, it's a good day to come down and get prayer because I do feel this great sense of peace. If there's something you're struggling with in your mind, if you want prayer for some battles that you're in, we are here for you. Uh, We value you. We love you. It's good to have you out in the house of God today. I want to challenge you to invite someone out to church next week. We love you very much. Don't forget, coming up Wednesday nights, we're going to be starting off with some services. And um, marriage stuff is coming up. If you want to sign up, it's out in the foyer. We love you all very much. Have a great week. Amen.